And I'd like to welcome everyone to this edition of In the Garage with Track Guy and thank our great supporters who uh, allow us the opportunities we have of helping uh, Iowa kids get involved and stay involved in track and field and cross country. Uh, all of their support so much uh, appreciated. Our shoe partners that we have around the state, Fitness Sports with stores in Clive, Johnston, and Coralville, Peak Performance in Sioux City, the Iowa Running Company in Cedar Rapids, and Fleet Feet in Davenport. And my guest today, uh, now I, uh, whether he appreciates it or not, but to me he's the ageless wonder, 32 years of age, Eric Sawinski, and, and uh, living proof that age is strictly just a number. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's been awesome. Thanks for having me again, Mike. Well, you know, it's uh, uh, we'll go into your background maybe a little bit more as we progress here. But uh, uh, two numbers that immediately come to mind, or three. Now you've uh, went under 40, 147 in the eight hundred ninety eight times in your career. Uh, most people haven't raced ninety eight times, and one hundred and fifty under one fifty. That's absolutely crazy. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I mean, it's probably just, just consistency in everything we do. And, um, I mean, I have to give a lot of that credit to, you know, coach Woody, um, coach Evans, the strength conditioning coach at Iowa that I've worked with for the last man, been with coach Woody since, since 2008. Um, and really just, just preaching that consistency in everything we do. And when I get on the track every single day, whether it's, uh, something easy or something hard, it's just being in the moment every day, giving everything I have and just carrying that same mentality over to the races. And I think that that's really just, uh, paid huge dividends uh, throughout the entirety of my career. You, know, you talk about consistency and everything. What is everything? Yeah. I mean, everything on the track and off the track. Um, I think, uh, I've, I've done the same routine. I tell kids this, they ask me like, Hey, what is, what is one thing I could do? I tell them, Hey, I've done the same routine before bed every single day for over 10 years. I take 10 minutes out of my day and stretch. I roll out and just do a couple things that I know that I need. And, um, I think because of that, I mean, I've never missed more than two days in a row of running since, since I started competing at Iowa. Um, so I mean, that's, but that's been the biggest thing is just doing those little things that maybe other guys aren't doing day to day and just trying to get that extra 1% edge and just, just keep my career rolling. You know, you were a, uh, a state champion at, in Waukesha, Wisconsin, in the half and the 4 by 8 but a 154 half-miler. And, you know, for kids that are wanting to know, and obviously not everybody can do it, but what uh, was it just physical maturity? Was it workouts or whatever that helped you and your consistency to go from 154 to sub-150 at Iowa? Yeah, it was just a, a, a little bit of everything. I mean, I under coach Woody PR'd in the 800 every year for 10 years, which is something you don't hear of every day. But um, I mean, I didn't touch a single weight in college, in, in high school, sorry. Um, I remember getting to Iowa and we were lifting. And for the first three or four months, I was just using a broomstick. I was watching all these guys doing all these movements I'd never seen before. And I'm in the corner working with the strength coach, you know, using a broomstick and uh, just kind of not being down on that kind of stuff, knowing that like, progression for everyone um goes different directions and for me it just took a little longer for some of that stuff to come together but um i mean whether it was was the weight room and the track um doing schoolwork in the classroom just you know taking things day by day and making sure that i was giving 100 percent effort and all of that and i think that once you do that it just takes so much more off your plate every day you come to practice and you can focus on that and just uh give the best you can in the workouts and the rest will take care of itself and if i remember right Coming to University of Iowa was like a last-minute decision. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's kind of a crazy story. Uh, so through probably March or April of my senior year, um, I visited a couple of D three schools in Wisconsin. Uh, was was 
you know, looking at those as my main options. Uh, my conference meet, I ran well. I won the 400. Uh, I won the 800 as well. And then uh, Matt Eshi, who uh, was a high school alum of Waukesha West and was uh, an assistant, a volunteer assistant at Iowa at the time, kind of nudged Coach Woody and to take a look at me. So I came on a visit, um, ended up uh, winning state championship in the 800, which was, which was awesome. And then, uh, yeah, I had a, a big decision to make. Wisconsin offered me a chance to try out for a walk-on spot. Um, Iowa offered me 10%, and I actually sent in all of my paperwork to go to Wisconsin. I had told my high school buddy that we were going to be roommates and everything, and uh, we just kind of had a, a family vacation we go on every year. Uh, my grandpa had been you know, diagnosed with, with cancer. We knew he didn't have a ton of time left, and uh, I mean, he, he loved the visit. We went to Iowa. He had really good feelings when we went and met the coaches and the campus and we just kind of sat through and talked about it and it was that weekend I just had a change of heart it was about a month before school started I called coach Woody and said hey let's do this and yeah the rest is history the rest is uh, <laughs> absolutely and, and a great history yeah and, yeah. and an amazing history um you know I'm looking back at uh, your rankings you know track and field news ranks every year we're athletes and, and it isn't always based on solely on time but performances and you've raced at a very high level. Eight times you've been ranked in the U.S. top ten. And uh, and it just, the longevity, I just keep using that term, is just absolutely uh, amazing. And, and, and what you've done and, and what you do. And uh, Big Ten champion, All-American in Iowa, bronze medalist in the Indoor World Championships, a uh, Outdoor World Championship semifinalist. But you now appear to be as good as you ever have been. Is that a true statement? Yeah, um, I think that I'm very, I'm in the know of, of like what kind of athlete I am and, and what I can do. I've always been realistic with that. And I think that, you know, we're just trying to put ourselves in a position to, to make U.S. finals. And like I've always said, at the end of the day, uh, that final, anyone can make the team because so many different things can happen. So I think we're just realistic in, in what we do and how we do it and know that, hey, um, me personally as long as I think I can make a final and give myself a chance to make the team like I'm just going to keep rolling with it I think that that's just been the mentality that we've adapted and I think that you know my race this last weekend shows that I'm just as fit if not fitter than I've ever been and I'm excited to see you know what happens in a couple of months coming forward well you're at 146 26 um uh, in the latest uh world descending order list uh you're the number three American and number four in the world the oldest or let's say most seasoned athlete in that top 20 in the world. Uh, the two Americans ahead of you are, are Bryce Hopple at 24, Shane Strike at 25, then Eric Sawinski at 32. Um, not only does that speak of, of what you've done as an athlete and a person, but it's got those younger kids have to look up to you and know, hey, you know what, maybe my career can be longer than what I thought it was. For sure. I mean, that's kind of something I've, I've taken on with some of these guys is just whether it's a guy – you know, coming out of college or if it's a guy who's had a couple years out and has kind of struggled, just letting them know that, hey, I've been through it all. Like, literally, I feel like I've been through pretty much anything you can go through in this sport uh, through through college and professionally. And just knowing that if they, you know, need need advice on something that if I have the answer, here it is. And if not, like, hey, I'll do everything I can to, to try and help you out. Because at the end of the day, I've had so many people who've helped me out in so many you know, different realms throughout the sport um, that, you know, I like to be able to give back in that sense. Well, that 146, you, you, tw uh, 26 you ran last week, that's the second fastest ever indoors for you. Yeah. And uh, uh, you've been under 145 outdoors, uh, you know, many times. Um, 
But you know, you've got great 400 speed in the in the on the relay or the open. Um, is it just because I don't know? Is it more common for the top 800 runners to be milers that come down, or quarter milers that go up, or is it a mix of it? What What do you think? I feel like it's a mix, and you kind of see that every year. I mean, back to, you know, early 2010s when it was, you know, Nick and Dwayne going at each other. You know, Dwayne is more of a 4'8 guy. Nick is more of an 8'15 guy. I feel like, you know, you could say, obviously, Clayton's more of an 8'15 guy. Donovan's a 400-800 guy. So, um, I mean, I think it can work well for everyone. Um, I've just kind of, you know, found my niche in that 4'6'8". Uh, we've run a couple of OK15s, but not really my my forte but uh, I mean that's what makes it exciting especially when you get to a championship setting is you never really know how that race is going to play out with the the different styles of, of racers in the field and that's what the 800 is is pretty awesome in my opinion having that well let's talk about the 600 since you mentioned it that seems to if that was an Olympic event <laughs> Eric Swinski would be on the podium you uh well that's right in your wheelhouse isn't it former American record holder um uh cover of track and field and news magazine with your running wild uh, singlet on when you set the American record at Milrose. And still today, you know, uh, Janoa McKeever, the outstanding freshman at Iowa, one of the top quarter milers and 600 runners in the country. And you gave him all he wanted at the Iowa meet. What is it about the 600? Is it just, uh, just because that fits your uh, abilities or is it something special to you as well? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think I kind of it took a special place uh, in my heart after that American record. Um, sure. Just, you know, knowing where I came from, what went into that race, and having so many people there, I just made it an awesome experience. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of the training that we do is, I mean, I was on the 4x4 at Iowa um, all four years, and uh, just the way we train is kind of like, hey, let's go hard through 600, and, you know, hopefully at the end of the day we'll have something left that, that last 100, and just being able to continue to press that first 600 of the race, I think that that's really, you know, helped my speed, helped my speed endurance um, when I raced the 600 itself is just, you know, let's, let, let's go out hard and get these guy run for the money uh, and it's it's obviously fun to watch um you know in addition to uh, uh racing on a regular uh basis in fact let's how what's the most what's the most number of races you've raced in a year oh i don't even know um it's got to be a well over 30 i would say sure um yeah i don't know it's a bummer that COVID happened because those numbers would be a, would be a lot higher if we yes, wouldn't we wouldn't have missed those couple seasons. But absolutely. yeah, it, it's got to be well over thirty, I would say, between you know six hundred, eight hundred, four sure. by fours. Well, now you're also uh, becoming a world renowned pace setter, uh, and uh, and do a, obviously a fantastic job with that. Uh, well, you know, you ran the one forty six twenty six last weekend, then you pace a world class mile uh, the next day, and uh, now you got more pacing coming up. Um, uh, you're going to go to Louisville this weekend and race, you're going to race the eight. Yep. Race the eight. And then go to Europe. Correct. Where are you going in Europe? Um, I'll be pacing two, two 1500s in France. And I think those are the 14th and the 17th. Then I'll be in, uh, Birmingham, uh, UK on the 19th and then head back home and give myself a week before USA's. You must have, you must have the record for being able to acclimate yourself to a, for a different time zone. I've never seen anything like it. I was in Spokane, which is just two hours different. And I'm still recovering, you know, but uh, obviously your body is uh, is very much attuned to that. Yeah, it's just kind of something I've gotten used to. Um, done some some crazy things with travel and just kind of like getting through it and just, uh, you know, taking it hour by hour and, and get the task uh, at hand done. I mean, last year I remember flying from New York to uh, 
the UK and I got in at like 11 a.m. that morning and paced a 1500 at like 4 p.m. that afternoon after an overnight flight. So I felt like once I did that, I could pretty much do anything. So, Wow. This podcast is brought to you by Midwestern Financial Group, an independent fiduciary advisor servicing the financial needs of those in Iowa and beyond. If you want your money working as hard as you do, look us up at www.midwesternfinancial.com. So what uh, uh, does the future hold for you as far as pacing and racing? You know, as uh, you're going to ride this racing career out until it proves that you can't do it anymore and then continue to pace, or will you maybe quit both at the same time? Have you even thought that far ahead? Uh, I mean, I, I've thought ahead. I haven't given it like in a definite date on, hey, sure. this is when I'm going to be done. Um, but, I mean, it'd be unrealistic for me to say that like, hey, when I raced at the Armory this last weekend, like, hey, maybe that was the last time I was going to race there. I feel like that that's kind of the mentality that I go into it with is you never know what's going to happen, um, you know, in your professional life and your personal life. And, uh, I mean, like you said, I'm 32 and not a lot of guys get to do it this long. So, hey, I mean, I'd like to keep doing it as long as I'm competitive, as long as I think I can make U.S. finals. I think that I'd like to give myself a shot. But, um, obviously, sometimes there's other factors that you uh, – you know, you can't control, but I mean, I'm just loving doing this day by day. I've never taken a single day of this for granted since I started doing it. And that's just the mentality that I'll have until the day I go out. Well, I know you're a Chiefs fan, but you could be the Tom Brady of 800, <laughs> you know, um, you know, you mentioned the armory, you know, and you've raced, uh, obviously in, in, uh, some storied places, uh, in track and field. And, uh, I can't, it was 11 finals in a row, 11, US, 11 or 12 U.S. finals. 13. 13 U.S. finals that yeah. you've made in a row. Unheard of. Yeah. Unheard of. And uh, my guess is you, the, the string will start up again. Um, so uh, headed to Spokane for U.S. championships after you come back uh, from Europe. What do you expect the U.S. championships to be like this year with the world championships going to be on our soil in July? Is a do you think the U.S. Indoor Championships will take a little different look, or are guys still going to be going after it? What What's your opinion? Uh, I mean, I know in a, in a bunch of events, there's a bunch of you know big caliber athletes that won't be there. I think that will probably be the same in the 800. Um, and so, you know, I think that if you take the top 10 guys in the U.S., I bet there will be you know two, three, four of them that you know won't run a U.S. Indoor Championship. Just so training through. Just it. just just training through it. And I mean. You know, guys train differently. For me, uh, the more that I race, I think the better I get. Whereas, you know, some other guys, they kind of need a longer buildup. So for me, um, probably plays into my hands a little bit better, you know, sure. knowing that, hey, some of these guys aren't going to be there and just opens up the opportunity a little bit more for me. Have you, have you, and uh, the World Indoor is going to be in Belgrade, Serbia. Have you been there before? I've not been there. So that would be uh, another one on the list for me. And uh, speaking of travel, uh, I've heard you mention in the past about frequent flyer miles. <laughs> let's, let's, let's tell people about your frequent flyer mile status. Yeah, uh, so it was, I don't know why I started doing this, but I haven't touched any of my frequent flyer miles since I, since I started, uh, you know, traveling. So main, mainly I've been on, on United, and I think I'm approaching a million miles total with them. And then uh, between that and, you know, credit card points and whatnot, I'm, I'm well over a million. So just... Uh, putting those in the bank for, for when I retire and be able to, you know, take a couple nice trips with that. You'll never, you'll probably never buy an airplane ticket. Again. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Yeah. What about uh, sponsorship? If you don't mind, you know, you had a long career with Nike and then Brooks beast and, and now you're a free agent, so yeah. to speak. Uh, uh, and I just hate, don't take this. I hate to keep mentioning your age, but yeah. is that 
something that people think, well, he's 32. My goodness, we, we're not going to take a chance on him. Regardless of the fact you're beating people that have shoe contracts and everything else. Yeah, you know, I mean, age definitely comes into into factor there. I mean, a lot of these... You know, sports sports marketing people they're looking at you know future projections and hey I don't I don't know what my future projection is but I know where I'm at today I know what I can do this year um, and so yeah um, you know on unsponsored this year and last year but uh, that's their loss yeah I mean it does, doesn't take away from anything that I'm gonna do sure. I'm still you know at the track every single day putting in the work every single day and if someone comes through and you know wants to you know have their logo on my chest for me to you know be out you know, pacing these races and, and being in the mix of some of these big races myself that, hey, you know, it's definitely something that I'm, I'm interested in. But at the end of the day, it's not going to take away from anything we do regardless. Does uh, those that in the business that lose a contract, do they lose their drive a little bit? You know, is it, it's got to be, there's got to be some point, even for a millisecond, that it's personal, you know, that, you know, what have I done wrong? What am I not doing right? Does that... Do you see where that bothers athletes? For sure. I mean, I you know I definitely went through a, a couple of days where it's like, hey, like, am I still good enough to do this? Um, just kind of have to take a step back and look at kind of the the bulk of work that we've done year after year after year after year, and just realize that hey, sometimes things happen that are out of your control and they set you back a little bit, and maybe you don't have the performance that you were hoping for the performance you needed at a certain big event and at the end of the day like that ends up being a determining factor and uh it's just kind of realizing that hey it was nothing that you did it was something that was out of your control and kind of can't let that you know bring everything down because at the end of the day like i just try to keep keep pushing forward day by day and just be a better version of myself on and off the track i think the rest will take care of itself what's a uh your schedule for the rest of the year look like? I don't. I know you don't know week to week, but no. the U.S. indoors. Yep. Uh, hopefully, uh, world indoors right. in Belgrade. Yeah. Will you take a break before you start outdoors? How's how's that work for you? Yeah. So for us, um, usually between indoors and outdoors, I'll you know take a couple days of doing nothing and just kind of get into like a four or six week build up phase before outdoors. Um, I don't think I need as much as, as some other guys. So probably, you know, start racing here the, the middle of April again and just keep pushing forward and, until September, you know, whether that's uh, getting some, some good races in, hopefully, you know, pacing some races here and there. And, uh, yeah, just kind of keeping the, the consistent schedule we've had year after year. I think that, you know, it's shown that, that it works for me and it's, it's what I need to do. You know, with the next World Outdoor Championships in, in Eugene, first time ever on American soil, um, does that – raise the anticipation of uh for you as far as what you want to accomplish and and is it you feel is there any pressure that hey i want to be uh at my best obviously at the world championships they're on our american soil and um i can see where some americans may let that get that in the way i don't know if that's common i don't know if that's your thought at all i wouldn't say it's added for for me personally definitely not added pressure it's just more excitement trying to contain that than anything i mean just knowing that it's in Eugene and knowing that I'll have friends, I'll have family there that sometimes, you know, wouldn't otherwise be able to make, you know, some of these, these big races. And so I think it's just excitement and just honing that in and just realizing that, Hey, we just need to do everything we can to be our best on that day. And that, you know, hopefully put ourselves in the final, see what happens. Sure. Well, between now and then, what, uh, any thought on what you're going to be doing uh, outdoors prior to worlds? 
Uh, I don't have any specific races lined up yet. Um, you know, obviously, uh, try to get in a couple of fast 800s for me. That that's really big. It's just getting a few races back to back that kind of helped me get through the rounds, which I've been pretty, pretty consistent with. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've asked to 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 pace a bunch of the Diamond League 1500s. Okay. So you'll see me uh, you'll see me out in the front of a, a bunch of those, and just yeah, just prepping day by day. And let's talk about that pacing. What uh, and I mean, when they tell you they want you to go in 54, and you just are there. Uh, is that an internal clock that you that you have that you just a natural or is that do you actually go out and, and practice uh, you know I saw that before Milrose you were taking Clayton around uh, a few times and I'm guessing his, he wanted to feel the pace and, and you were probably hitting it right on uh, as you have this magical internal clock or is it just because of all your experience that you're able to go out whatever they ask for I think it's mostly experience. Just um, we do a lot of whether it's you know 800 meter pace at you know 50 second 400 pace or 54 second pace for 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 mile work. We do a lot of work like that on the track. You know, week in and week out. It's just something that you know year by year by year when you do that, that internal clock just gets better and better and better. And so um, you know, I'm just really in tune with my body and knowing what those rhythms feel like. And I think that you know that's what's helped me be really successful um, pacing a bunch of these races. Um, I'm also pretty good with quick math. So when they do have these clocks at every 100 or 200 meters, just, you know, knowing where I need to be and just double checking that and doing the math in my head quick. And yeah. yeah. Does uh, your pacing experience now help you with your racing? Do you see any of that? For sure. Um, I think it's more, it's, it's probably more a physical thing than mental thing for me. Um, it's funny, you know, Phil with Fleet Feet was mm-hmm. texting me this morning, just just kind of asking about the same thing. And I told him that I think especially with some of these races, it's helped me find a rhythm where I feel more comfortable during the race and I'm not redlining as early. And so I'm able to, you know, have a better last 100, less better last 150 than I have maybe a couple of years past. Um, I think that, you know, I kind of showed after USA's last year. I mean, I won a couple races back to back and I closed really, really hard the last 100 meters. Kind of this, 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 yeah. There was a difference there. Kind of this last week as well. I think that it's just, it's put me even more in tune with my body than I was before, just being able to realize things in, in a different sense that I hadn't, you know, kind of been accustomed to before that. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've talked to different high school uh, groups about this, and I've mentioned it to you. And uh, very here, what's crazy to me is here you are, one of the very best in American history, not just America today, uh, world-ranked, and very seldom win a race, you know, and some people can't, and I don't mean, but it happens all the time, and it's hard for people to wrap their head around that, that you can be very successful and and not win a race. Um, How do you explain that to youngsters? Uh, I mean, it's kind of, you know, the way we look at it, and the way I've always looked at it is that, hey, I'd like to give myself a chance to win every single race. Most of the time, it's not going to happen, but if you look at a year like this, if I could be top three in every single race the rest of the year, I'm going to be in a really, really good spot. So I think that if, hey, if I can put myself in the top half of every race and just be there and be consistent and know what that feels like, that, you know, the end result, I might not win a U.S. championship, but if I take third, that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it takes a special uh, attitude and person to do that and not get down. I would, yeah. you know, that, my goodness, you know, I'm putting all this miles in, I'm training hard and I can't win. Well, it's a whole different playing field when you're at where you're at. When uh, uh, you know 148 doesn't get you much of a sniff anymore, right. you know. And uh, here you are running as 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 good as uh, and better than you have in some years past. And 
So with, with that said, uh, when you go to the track, when you go to a meet, is it all about place? Are you ever concerned about your time? No, I think the biggest thing for us is just always to compete. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether that's, you know, me having to, to take it out hard and, and see what happens or if it's kind of a day where, hey, we want to stick in the pack and kind of work on that. For me, it's just always about putting myself in the race and giving myself a chance to win at some point. I think that, you know, that just kind of gives me that that instinct, that, that, that fire that I need is just, you know, be there at some point in the race and try to win. And eight times out of 10, it might not happen. But hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, one of those two out of 10 is a big race and we, we bring home a championship or something. Absolutely. And uh, another thing for, for young kids is to learn perhaps is, you know, run your race and not somebody else's. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously at, at your level, everybody goes out hard, you know, 50 flat or 51. And uh, if somebody goes out crazy, 48 or 49, do you just let them go or do you try to race with them? You personally? Uh, me personally? Um you know, it probably depends on, on, on what, what, what type of race it is. Okay. If, if it's a championship and I know, hey, I need to be in top three if he's going to go out in 49. I mean, Dwayne did that at the, you know, 2015 U.S. Championships, and I was, you know, right there with him. Uh -huh. um, so it probably depends on the day. 48 is probably a little quick for me. But, um, yeah, I mean, whether it's, you know, 49 flat or, or 54, you're going to find me in the top half of that race and hope that we've got something to last a little bit. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you being here. Of course. And, uh appreciate what you do for the sport from, uh, you know, your longevity standpoint, your positive attitude. Uh, uh, I think you're an exceptional role model for, for young kids, uh, uh, in every, in everything. And, and, uh, so hopefully, uh, for our sport that there's a, a career in coaching sometime when you're, when you're done. And thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Eric Sawinski, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, buddy. Of course. If you enjoyed what you listened to, please go to Apple iTunes and leave us a five-star review that helps us reach many more people. And we look forward to sharing more content with you in the near future. If you want to be a supporter of the show or of the Track Guy Foundation, visit trackguyfoundation.com. If you would like to be a sponsor of the show, please email trackguy at trackguyfoundation.com. Again, thank you for all your support. Take care.